In the early 1990s, Dr. John Brandenburg was recruited for a NASA mission called Clementine. He had a long career working for the U.S. government, but this project was special. It would change his life and the way he perceived reality forever. The Clementine mission was fairly straightforward. Dr. Brandenburg and his team sent a satellite to map out the moon and hopefully find water. After analyzing the images from their orbiter, Brandenburg's team found something remarkable. Giant deposits of ice near the moon's south pole. But that wasn't the most surprising thing they captured. Brandenburg saw something that might have been using that water as a resource. It appeared to be a giant rectangular structure sitting right on the moon's surface. As he looked at the picture, he knew without a doubt in his mind this was something artificial, meaning someone or something had constructed it. Clementine's lunar photos were handed over to the Defense Department, to a team with the highest security clearance in the nation. Yet when Brandenburg tried to follow up, he says he was shut down, told to keep to himself and not to interfere. So he wondered, could NASA and the Defense Department be hiding more? Perhaps they too had seen artificial structures. He pored over the Apollo program's images of the moon, looking for evidence that what he saw wasn't an anomaly. It wasn't. He discovered images of what appeared to be sprawling complexes, piping systems, machinery, and other seemingly artificial structures on the moon. Which is why Dr. Brandenburg and many other NASA employees believe there's something we're not being told about Earth's satellite. There may be an alien presence on our moon, or even inside it. Welcome to Conspiracy Theories, a Spotify original from ParCast. Every Monday and Wednesday, we dig into the complicated stories behind the world's most controversial events and search for the truth. I'm Carter Roy. And I'm Molly Brandenburg. And neither of us are conspiracy theorists. But we are open-minded, skeptical, and curious. Don't get us wrong. Sometimes the official version is the truth. But sometimes it's not. You can find episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. This is our one-part episode on the hollow moon theory, The idea that Earth's moon is an empty, artificially made structure, possibly occupied by alien life. Today, we'll talk about the Apollo mission experiments that brought this theory to the forefront. Then, we'll examine the two main theories behind our potentially hollow moon. First, we'll look at the structure of the moon. Some say there's evidence that its features are too good to be true. Perhaps it's the work of intelligent design. Then we'll debate whether extraterrestrial life has already set up camp, either on or below the lunar surface. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. Since 
Since the dawn of civilization, one of mankind's biggest mysteries has been hanging overhead. We may only think of it as an aesthetic backdrop, and yet the moon controls so much of what happens on Earth. It affects the ocean tides, our circadian rhythms, our seasons. Some even believe a person's mood and destiny are controlled by the celestial body. There's also so much we don't understand about our planet's satellite, the moon, perhaps for good reason. The moon is much farther away than it appears in the night sky. In fact, you can place about 30 more Earths between us and the lunar surface. Getting there by spaceflight was no small feat. Which is why, for centuries, humans could only speculate about its properties, both the surface and the interior. In 1901, science fiction author H.G. Wells postulated an eccentric new theory about the lunar satellite. In his novel, The First Men in the Moon, Wells painted the rock as a place with lush terrain and vegetation. It had the means to support life. But the interior of the planet was carved out and overrun by an insect-like alien species. At the time, Wells' book was perceived purely as entertainment. Little did those readers know, six decades later, Wells' theory would actually be put to the test. One, zero, liftoff. We have a liftoff. In July of 1969, mankind defied all odds by traveling 239,000 miles to the moon. Media outlets all over the world broadcast astronaut Neil Armstrong's famous words. President John F. Kennedy had given NASA a simple mission, perform a manned lunar landing, plant a flag, and return to Earth. And they delivered with resounding success. Groundbreaking as it was, Apollo 11 was just the beginning. The program called for nine more trips to the moon. Meanwhile, NASA scientists were already dreaming up lunar colonies and trips to Mars. So they upped the ante. Four months later, on November 14, 1969, Apollo 12 launched into orbit. This time, the astronauts had additional responsibilities. They'd test a landing method with improved precision and hopefully moonwalk farther from their module. They'd also collect geological samples to determine the moon's chemical makeup. And finally, they'd study the moon's seismic activity, giving them a better sense of what was inside. On November 19th, Apollo 12 astronauts Pete Conrad and Al Bean landed their lunar module on the moon's surface. The duo set up a seismometer along the ocean of storms and collected the materials they needed. 31 hours later, they were back in orbit. After rejoining astronaut Dick Gordon in the Commander Service Module, Conrad and Bean's biggest experiment was ready to begin. In order to test the moon's seismic activity, they detached their lunar capsule and intentionally sent it plummeting back towards the surface. As planned, the capsule crashed to the moon. With a force equivalent to one ton of TNT, shockwaves built up over the next eight minutes. Meanwhile, receiving centers back on Earth recorded the seismic data, 
which they hoped would provide a sense of the moon's inner composition. But it wasn't just the numbers they were after. Analysts also needed to hear the sound, kind of like banging on a wall to determine if there's a stud behind it. So the technicians magnified the vibrations to better assess the results. And they were stunned. The sound was nothing like they'd anticipated. Apparently, the moon rang like a bell for nearly an hour, which made some of them wonder, did the moon have a hollow interior? At a news conference the following day, the experiment's co-director, Morris Ewing, admitted he was baffled by the results. However, Ewing stopped short of announcing any interpretations just yet, It's not clear what his theories were at the time, but whispers about the hollowness were already swirling around NASA. Following the Apollo 12 mission, Dr. Werner von Braun, then head of NASA's flight center, made a decision. Next time, they were going to crash an even larger object into the moon to double-check the sound and data. So, on April 11, 1970, Apollo 13 departed Earth's atmosphere. But 56 hours into the flight, things took a turn for the worse. An explosion in the ship's oxygen tank left the crew scrambling for recovery. Apollo 13 was forced to abort their lunar landing and return to Earth. Despite the emergency, there was one experiment they could still complete before returning and the objective was much more significant than before. On its descent back to Earth, Apollo 13 dislocated the third stage of its launch vehicle from the spacecraft. The machine went crashing towards the moon. This time, it landed with a force of 11 and a half tons of TNT. When data centers measured the seismic signals of the Apollo 13 crash, they found they were 30 times the force of Apollo 12s. When these were magnified, the moon rang like a gong for several hours before dissipating. Given this outcome, some researchers decided the hollow moon theory had to be true. Former NASA contractor Ken Johnston was working closely with the Lunar Receiving Laboratory at the time when he overheard several scientists mention something peculiar. The moon wobbled after the crash in a way that seemed to have, quote, gigantic hydraulic damper struts inside. Simply put, it was like the moon housed an artificially made spring system designed to counteract the blow. NASA's attempts to gather more information on the hollow moon theory didn't end there. In every subsequent Apollo mission, NASA documents show a classified experiment called Chapel Bell. There's virtually no information about these tests available to the public. But judging by its name, the experiment was likely meant to keep studying those bell-like sounds captured by the Apollo 12 and 13 missions. But something strange happened after the Apollo 17 mission in 1972. The United States canceled the remaining three. The explanation was that there simply wasn't enough public interest to continue moon exploration, nor was funding sufficient. Yet some theorists believe that's a convenient excuse. 
Perhaps NASA canceled those missions because they were afraid of proving too much. For example, Earth and planetary research scientist Dr. Sean C. Solomon reportedly said, The lunar orbiter experiments vastly improved our knowledge of the moon's gravitational field, indicating the frightening possibility that the moon may be hollow. And, according to renowned astrophysicists Josef S. Kshlovsky and Carl Sagan, our planetary bodies are formed by gathering small rocks, dust, particles, and gas. Essentially, they snowball over time, meaning a natural satellite cannot physically be a hollow object. Which implies if our moon is hollow, then perhaps it's not naturally made at all. If it's artificial, the question is, who made the moon? Coming up, evidence that our moon isn't all it appears to be. Hi, Parcasters. It's Greg and Vanessa from the series Serial Killers. For the past five years, we've explored hundreds of history's most notorious murderers, giving listeners an intimate look at their sordid origins and heinous crimes. If you haven't had a chance to join us before, there's no better time to dive in than right now for our Serial Killers 5th Anniversary Special. It's a four-part examination into the mythology surrounding four fearsome killers. Edmund Kemper, John Wayne Gacy, Ted Bundy, Jeffrey Dahmer. Our 5th Anniversary Series uncovers the men behind the mayhem, analyzing what turned them into killers and how their lethal behavior made their stories larger than life. If you've listened to the show before, we hope you enjoy. And if you haven't, this is the perfect series for any avid ParCast fan. Follow Serial Killers to hear our four-part fifth anniversary special. Listen now, free and only on Spotify. Now back to our story. When the Apollo 12 mission released its lunar module, intentionally crashing it into the moon's surface in 1969, scientists were baffled by the results. Not only did the moon seem to vibrate for several minutes, it also rang like a bell for over half an hour. This led some experts to wonder, was the moon hollow? And if so, was it the work of intelligent design? This brings us to our first conspiracy theory. The moon is an artificially made structure, which was placed into Earth's orbit by a higher intelligence. In order to fully grasp this theory, we need to start with one big question scientists have been debating for centuries. How did the moon come to be? There are three possibilities that scientists have considered. One of the most prominent was called capture theory. It states that our moon was a wandering celestial body formed somewhere else in our solar system. Then, billions of years ago, it was pulled in by Earth's gravitational force while passing the planet. But this concept fell to the wayside once scientists realized capturing an object as large as the moon was nearly impossible. The moon is one-fourth the size of the Earth, larger than any other planet-to-moon ratio in our solar system. Not to mention, some of the moon's compositional makeup resembles Earth's, which is why some experts lean towards a different explanation. 
the co-accretion theory. This idea implies that the moon and earth were formed at the same time, by the same primordial cloud of gas and dust. But co-accretion has been debunked for the opposite reason. Some argue that the moon doesn't have enough of the Earth's shared materials for this to be true. Now, scientists' best guess is the giant impact theory, the idea that a Mars-sized planet came crashing into Earth billions of years ago. Debris from that collision joined together, forming the moon. While some experts consider this the most probable theory, it also has its flaws. Plenty of the counter-arguments are heady and scientific, again dealing with the chemical composition of the moon. Understandably, the moon's formation is still debated by the world's top scientists, and some theorists use this uncertainty, as well as the moon's very unique properties, to argue another theory. The moon may be intelligently designed. A 2011 study published in the journal Icarus described just how rare our moon really is. Reportedly, less than 10% of planets in the universe have a satellite large enough to help them sustain life. If we didn't have a moon like ours, the Earth's tilt could be off by as much as 85 degrees. Say the moon left our orbit tomorrow, the sun's rays would migrate over the next millennia, eventually blasting our poles instead of the equators. Life as we know it may cease to exist. Our lunar satellite is also the exact right size and the perfect distance from Earth to completely block the sun, giving us those biannual solar eclipses. Even Isaac Asimov, author and professor of biochemistry, was allegedly mind-blown by how improbable this is. He's said to have claimed, there is no astronomical reason why the moon and the sun should fit so well. It is the sheerest of coincidences, and only the Earth among all the planets is blessed in this fashion. The chances of a lunar satellite with these exact proportions seems like one in a trillion which is why I understand the desire to believe our moon is intelligently designed. Well, apparently, so did many civilizations throughout history. Those who support the artificial moon theory point out that the farther back in history you go, the less historical records of the moon there are. Researchers say if you consider cave drawings from the Neolithic and Paleolithic periods, which span from about 2.5 million to 4,000 years ago, there's essentially no representations of the moon, which seems like a hard thing to miss, especially given that the sun is widely depicted. So the question is, was it always orbiting our planet, or did it simply arrive? Plenty of Roman and Greek authors mention the idea Aristotle said that the Pelasgians, the ancestors of the Greeks, lived in a time before there was a moon in the sky. Because of this, they were actually given a nickname, the Proselenes, reportedly translating to before moon. Another Greek author, Apollonius of Rhodes, also wrote of a time when all of the celestial bodies weren't yet placed in the skies. He mentioned a specific Greek tribe known as the Arcadians, who dwelled in the mountains feeding off acorns before the existence of a moon, 
Later, Plutarch backed this up, saying the Arcadians were older than the moon. The indigenous people of Colombia's Bogota Highlands also talk about a time when Earth was sans moon, and the Kalevala, one of the most significant works in Finnish literature, talks about life before the moon was, quote, placed in orbit. While there are fewer allegories on how the moon got there, it does make you wonder if perhaps the Earth didn't need the moon to survive after all. And yet, its arrival might have caused a significant shift in the planet's operations. Around 12 to 10,000 years ago, scientists know that humanity experienced some kind of monolithic event here on Earth, an event so big it could almost be compared to the destruction of the dinosaurs. Scientists are still trying to make sense of the details of the event today. But what we know is, around this time, there was an inexplicable shift in the climate, contributing to a mass extinction of large breed animals. Many researchers believe that civilizations living along coastlines were wiped out by massive floods. It's possible some advanced cultures essentially vanished from existence. Award-nominated author and UFO researcher Rob Shelsky believes the cause was the moon's sudden arrival. Paleontologists haven't put much stake into Shelsky's idea, but there is anecdotal evidence of a moon arriving in our skies, and it aligns perfectly with that 12 to 10,000-year mark. Tiwanaku is a pre-Incan civilization that existed in what's now Bolivia. Just outside their city center, archaeologists discovered symbols painted on a wall that may depict a time when our moon came into orbit, around 11,500 years ago, lining up perfectly with that mysterious global event. Additional evidence was decoded in the 1956 book titled The Calendar of Tiwanaku. Allegedly, they spoke of a time when the moon was an independent planet, not yet belonging to the Earth. During this time, a different, much smaller moon was in its place. This could explain how life on Earth was still able to exist prior to our moon, albeit a little differently than today. Then there is the South African group known as the Zulu. They have a legend about how the moon came into Earth's orbit. And if their account is to be taken literally, then everything we've been postulating about the moon, not just its artificiality, but also its hollowness, may very well be true. According to a Zulu shaman named Credo Mutwa, the world was a very different place before the moon arrived. The entire planet was lush, green, and constantly covered by a gentle mist. Supposedly, the moon was towed into the Earth's orbit by two brothers, man-like creatures with scaly aquatic skin called Wawane and Umpanku. When it arrived, it caused giant cataclysms and floods on Earth. Again, mirroring the mysterious event scientists are still trying to understand. The legend says that the brothers stole the moon, which was actually the egg of a great fire dragon. They emptied out its yolk-like interior, turning the moon into a hollowed-out shell. From there, they made the lunar satellite a headquarters to keep a watchful eye over the human race. Plus, 
They allowed it to serve as a pit stop for other intergalactic travelers. In other words, aliens. But this is called a legend for a reason. Beyond the space dragon and the moon's yoky interior, there's plenty of reasons to believe the moon is not some hollow, superficial structure. Those seismographic studies performed by the Apollo missions eventually revealed that the moon does have a core after all. The bell-like sounds were caused by the moon's dry stone. On Earth, water weakens stone and makes it more sponge-like, dampening vibrations. But the moon doesn't have the same luxury, so this dryness creates that long ringing sound. I'm sorry, but on a scale of 1 to 10, with 10 being the absolute truth, I have to give this theory a 1. I'll give it a 2, just because there are some undeniable conveniences that make our moon the perfect partner, and the Zulu legend, in some small ways, does mirror paleontological evidence, like the fact that the Sahara and other deserts were covered with lush vegetation many, many years ago. But during the Apollo missions, NASA recovered a third of a ton of rock and soil from the lunar surface. These samples showed that the Moon and Earth do have enough chemical properties to imply a linked history, which is why the giant impact theory is still the most accepted explanation by scientists. So while the question of how the Moon came to be formed might still be debatable, I think we can rule out the idea of a real-life Death Star. However, there are signs that suggest the alleged intergalactic pit stop part of the Zulu legend might be true. Mainly because scientists have found possible evidence of extraterrestrial camps on the lunar surface. Coming up, supposed NASA attempts to cover up an alien presence. Now, back to our story. From 1969 to 1972, NASA launched seven manned missions to the lunar surface, some of which included tests that remain classified to this day, like the Chapel Bell experiment. The Apollo program was originally meant to include 20 missions, but after the 17th, they ceased operations, the explanation was that there wasn't sufficient public interest or funding to keep the program running. Although some wonder if NASA knew better than to return to the moon because they discovered something menacing, something that could pose a greater threat to society. Which brings us to our second conspiracy theory. There's evidence of extraterrestrial life on the moon that the U.S. government is trying to hide. Because this information isn't just coming from ufologists and pseudoscientific authors, it's coming from former NASA employees. In July 1969, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin landed the Eagle on the moon's surface. But the trip to space wasn't all smooth sailing. The astronauts' communication with Earth was spotty. For two minutes on the ground, they seem to lose contact with mission control. Or at least, that's the official story. The astronauts were supposedly equipped with alternate channels on their radios, including a medical channel that was not made public and could be used in case of emergencies. 
Some believe that during those two minutes, the astronauts switched their channel to talk about something they didn't want the rest of America to hear, like the presence of alien life. Ken Johnston, a former NASA photo manager, believes Armstrong reported something terrifying over his private medical line. Something along the lines of, they're here, they're parked alongside a crater, and they're watching us. According to researcher Otto Binder, this same transmission was intercepted by a few tech-savvy civilians. They reported a similar conversation between Armstrong and NASA's chief medical officer. Buzz Aldrin also admitted to seeing something he couldn't explain. He claimed that while they were in the main cabin of the craft, he saw indiscernible lights flashing outside. When he turned to Armstrong to ask if he saw the flashes, Armstrong replied, yes, about a hundred of them. However, Aldrin said they were, quote, smart enough to not say, Houston, there's a light out there that's following us. Aldrin later told NASA about those lights during his post-mission debrief. Similar sightings had been previously recorded in NASA's chronological catalog of reported lunar events. A few days later, the astronauts stood before the press to talk about the greatest achievement in mankind's history. But they weren't wearing looks of pride. Instead, to many viewers, they seemed somber, anxious, and frankly, scared. Maybe because they saw something they shouldn't have. And it's not just a few inexplicable lights that NASA seems worried about. Other missions to the moon, both manned and satellite-driven, have captured images of structures. They seem like artificially made objects the government can't always explain. Two and a half years before Apollo 11, the Orbiter 2 spacecraft was circling the moon, taking pictures of potential landing sites. When scientists back on Earth examined those photos, they reportedly found what appeared to be eight large pointed spires looking kind of like the Washington Monument. One of them was over 15 stories tall. Russian scientists allegedly analyzed the photos and noticed more nuances. The spires were arranged in a very specific way. They were the exact same distance from one another as the three pyramids in Giza. But supposedly, when a higher-up in NASA was questioned about the spires, they replied, quote, Yes, we know of these photographs and they were very clear, but there's been no speculation on them and they have been filed for now. In other words, none of your business. Another odd feature was captured during the Apollo 14 mission in 1971. While two of the astronauts walked the moon's surface, astronaut Stuart Rusa stayed in the command module. He circled the celestial body while taking photographs and video of the moon's surface. And when the ship arrived at the far side of the moon, Rusa's camera is said to have caught something incredible, a cluster of five dome-shaped objects. Apparently, one had a light shining inside and a steam stack rising from the top. NASA photo manager Ken Johnston says he saw the footage for himself, and he was certain. These were not naturally formed objects. But the following day, when he went to share the film with NASA engineers, 
That image had mysteriously disappeared from the archives. Johnston asked his boss about the issue, but he was allegedly told to stop asking and to destroy any copies. And yet, that wasn't the only suspicious incident. A NASA contractor named Donna Hare claims to have seen some of those images disappear before her eyes. One afternoon, she watched as one of her co-workers airbrushed a UFO from official imagery. She then asked her other colleagues if they knew about the cover-ups, and some admitted they did. However, no one was willing to talk about it, especially not on NASA grounds. Hare also says that whatever they were editing from those photos was too high-tech to be made by humans. Then, there's the story of petroleum engineer and ufologist Vito Sicari. By the 1970s, he'd been hearing about these alleged cover-ups for some time. So, one afternoon after the Apollo missions ended, he and his partners stormed the gates of NASA, demanding to see these deleted images. At first, they were stonewalled, told to fill out paperwork and wait for a phone call back. When the phone never rang, Sakari heightened the stakes. He told NASA he planned to blow the whistle on the subject if they didn't talk. And that's when they caved. According to Sakari, he and his partner were brought into a room where giant images of the lunar surface laid on a table. They showed him photographs clearer than anything he'd seen before. Dozens of pictures of pipelines, bridges, and machinery stationed on the lunar surface even military-like tanks. Sakari said that's when the mood in the room turned solemn. They knew they were looking at something much bigger than themselves, and it chilled them to their core. Dr. John Brandenburg also realized NASA was keeping an important, terrifying secret when he worked on the Clementine mission in the early 90s. He claims there were plenty of people with high-level security clearances were aware of an alien presence on the moon. One afternoon, Brandenburg says he was called into a screening room along with several military and Air Force generals. Together, they analyzed what appeared to be an interstellar spaceflight. Intelligent ships maneuvered out of the way of lasers. It's unclear where they got this footage, but looking around the room, Brandenburg saw a group of faces wearing nothing but pure astonishment. At one point, Brandenburg claims one of the most senior generals turned toward him and asked where he thought they were from. When Brandenburg claimed, at least 40 light years from here, the general replied with three eerie words, quote, long supply lines. Brandenburg believes the general was thinking of ways to get resources out there in the event humans were roped into this intergalactic war. Perhaps they knew this when the manned lunar mission stopped after Apollo 17 in 1972, at least on paper. However, there are some theorists who believe they did continue off record. And in 2007, top-secret footage supposedly taken during those missions was leaked. That year, a man named William Rutledge came forward, claiming he was once a NASA astronaut. 
He, along with U.S. astronaut Leona Schneider and Russian cosmonaut Alexei Leonov, had gone on a joint space mission, Apollo 20. This is a pretty bold claim, granted the relationship between U.S. and Russia at the time. But taken at face value, the pieces aren't that outlandish. The United States and Russia had collaborated on projects before, including the 1965 Apollo-Soyuz mission. And Alexei Leonov was one of the commanders. In fact, Rutledge said this was technically Apollo 18, while Apollo 19 was lost in a, quote, freak accident. Still, it's what happened on the Apollo 20 mission that left some questioning their own reality. Reportedly, the Apollo 20 mission left Earth on August 16, 1976, from Vandenberg Air Force Base in California. And this one was a resounding success. Their mission? To dock on the far side of the moon and explore, at closer range, something Apollo 15 had captured from above, what appeared to be remains of an alien civilization and downed craft. According to Rutledge, he and Leonov touched down on the lunar surface and began exploring the structures. Rutledge said the buildings appeared to be abandoned, dissolved to little more than rubble. Still, the alien aircraft was worth exploring. The Apollo 20 team supposedly analyzed the meteor impact surrounding the craft. It appeared as though it had been there for over a million years, though the ship itself looked like it had been opened and explored prior, likely by another alien race. Apparently, the team uncovered remnants of vegetation, rocks that were emitting an unfamiliar yellow substance, and alien corpses. When you hear it, this all sounds like a bunch of fabricated nonsense. But Rutledge wasn't just writing about these experiences. The crew had allegedly filmed it. Rutledge leaked the film online, showing the interior of Apollo 20. It looks pretty identical to the inside of other NASA spaceships, from the switchboard to the gears to the Russian-American Apollo patch hanging decoratively inside. Then he leaked footage of what appeared to be those alien bodies, One looks like a woman lying on an examination table. The video shows a close-up of her face. She has long black hair, orange skin, and a third eye in the center of her forehead. But later, the video takes a darker turn. Either the same creature or another with similar features is shown again at close range. Only this time, it has an otherworldly apparatus on its face, what looks like a set of tubes connecting the creature's mouth to its eyes. It's possible that Rutledge made all this up for his 15 minutes of internet fame. However, after doing some digging on his background, there may be more circumstantial evidence in support of his claims. In 2010, the University of Utah commemorated an Army veteran named William Jesse Rutledge, He had flown Cobra attack helicopters in Vietnam, which means he had aeronautical skills. And he would have been about 30 years old at the time of this alleged mission, the perfect age to be trained as an astronaut. There's no proof that this is the same Rutledge, but it bears mentioning. 
I agree, this account has convincing aspects, but I still have my doubts. For starters, it seems unlikely that footage this sensational would be leaked this easily. NASA and the government seem to have worked tirelessly to cover up even the smallest shreds of evidence that there's abnormalities on the lunar surface. I don't think anything this huge could just slip through the cracks. I also agree, but if this was a hoax, it was a very expensive one. It would require building an identical mock-up to the Apollo ships and quite the special effects team to pull it off. Which makes me wonder if this is some elaborate disinformation campaign. If you listen to this show often, then it's no surprise that the government has been accused of staging fake information about UFOs to cause confusion. This process probably distracts people from the more accurate information out there. They could easily create a fake video using the lunar equipment they have on hand, and if that's true, then it means there's a larger cover-up at work. This footage could just be to throw us off the scent. I'm not entirely convinced there's some giant cover-up at play. Plenty of scientists say those artificially made structures they're finding on the moon have natural explanations. Astrophotography expert Andrew McCarthy explains that when something impacts the moon, debris is tossed everywhere, including straight up into the sky. Sometimes it falls back to the surface, creating irregular piles, which could explain those spires and domes found in the images. I have to give the aliens on the moon theory a three. But McCarthy's theory doesn't explain the lights or the structure's very precise arrangement. Plus, we still don't know why NASA would ask its photo editors to erase them from their images. If it's nothing, then why hide it? Not to mention, the alien shown in Rutledge's film is so eerie and specific, well, there's a small chance it might be authentic. I have to give this theory that aliens are on our lunar surface a four. I see your point. All of this aside, other life could still be out there, somewhere. Prior to the Apollo missions, NASA hired the Brookings Institution, a famed research group, to conduct a study. It was titled, Proposed Studies on the Implications of Peaceful Space Activities for Human Affairs. What they found was striking. The global reception to aliens might not be a positive one. Essentially, they proposed that society could entirely fall apart if they learned of a looming alien presence. So, is it possible that NASA is just doing us all a favor? Maybe. Keeping UFOs a secret could be for our own benefit. So that we can go to our kids' soccer games and out to dinner with friends without worrying about a potential alien invasion. In which case, I want to say thank you, NASA. Maybe it's a good thing we're kept in the dark. Thanks for tuning in to Conspiracy Theories. You can find all episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free on Spotify. We'll be back next time with a new episode. Until then, remember, the truth isn't always the best story. 
And the official story isn't always the truth. Conspiracy Theories is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Anthony Valsic, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Bruce Kotovich. This episode of Conspiracy Theories is written by Lori Gottlieb, edited by Stacey Nemick and Mackenzie Moore, with fact-checking by Anya Barely and research by Bradley Klein. Conspiracy Theories stars Molly Brandenburg and Carter Roy. Mm-hmm.